Hey everyone, this is Jacob with Two Guys, One Mike. Just wanted to give a quick disclaimer on the episode you're about to hear. We did talk about the fact that we we're going to uh, do an ACC preview later on in the episode. We didn't actually get to the ACC preview. Um, we planned on doing 20-30 minutes on the our top 20 college football rivalry games and then doing 20-30 minutes for an ACC preview. Uh, we ended up going pretty long on the rivalry game segment, about 55 minutes. So we decided to just make the rivalry game segment our... Uh, basically our whole episode for the week and then next week we'll come back with an ACC preview we'll probably have another short segment in there on another fun topic hopefully this time we don't go long on it so yeah next week we'll get to the ACC and we'll be back in person so I hope you enjoy this 55 minutes of me and JT talking about our top 20 college football rivalry games welcome back to two guys one Mike, a college football podcast dedicated to providing you with all the college football stories Game previews, game reviews, and betting lines. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, joined by my fellow host, JT Hershowski. How's it going, man? Going good, man. How about you? I'm doing well, doing well. It's been a busy day, but I'm still trying to give about another hour or so of high energy here for the people, and then I'm going to crash. Yeah, no, you've had the the busier of the day of the two of us. I've been just kind of hanging around. I did some work this morning, but other than that, just kind of a chill day. You've been the one. You've been working all day getting stuff ready with some stuff you got going on just in general. And so I appreciate you giving me one final hour, getting this pod out there because we know there are people just waiting on my, it's Sunday for us, but just waiting to wake up tomorrow morning to be able to turn on two guys, one mic. They've been waiting for it all week. Yeah, now Sunday night for us, we're pushing it late here. This pod will be coming out, you know, and a matter of about nine hours or so for the people. So yeah, we're we're getting it getting to it pretty late, but it will be ready at that six AM slot that it's gonna release hopefully every Monday from here forward until the season begins. Yeah, I think that's something maybe that would be beneficial for our viewers to know. So our uh, our podcast for right now leading up until the season starts will be released once a week on Monday at six AM. So should be primed and ready for you to get started for that drive to Monday or drive to work on Monday. So Obviously, no one wants to be going to work on Monday, but it's good to know that people will be able to listen to two guys, one mic on the way to make them feel a little bit better about starting on a Monday. All right, so let's get to it. Um, You know, we like to usually do the general introduction, um, and we like to talk about if there was any news from the past week of college football. We'd like to get into that. Wasn't any necessarily breaking news or any big, big stories throughout the week, but I do think there was just kind of a general growing of the coronavirus situation. We touched on it last week, how it was starting to kind of creep back into our everyday lives, kind of starting to creep back. The numbers were creeping back up, unfortunately, and that has even continued throughout this week. And we've definitely seen some more programs go into quarantine. We've seen some more programs quit doing their off-season lifting programs. And we've seen programs uh, report higher numbers of cases. So it's been a a bit of a downer of a week, but... I mean, I don't really know what else to say besides that. Yeah, it's been kind of a it's been a bit of a downer. No real breaking news, but just more teams as they invite players back to camp are doing more testing because obviously they don't want these players working out together if one of them is testing positive. And so we're seeing a lot of teams starting to report positive cases. And I feel like I just don't understand. I feel like this is such a weird narrative that it's it's a bad thing. Like, oh my goodness, we're seeing all these players testing positive. But I continue to see it as a good thing. I think just in general, I think the more testing means the more we find out who is testing positive. And those people can can quarantine safely, you know, stay away from those who aren't infected. 
And then, you know, I just, it's a, it's another way to stop this, the spread of the virus. So I continue to see this as a good thing. I think it's, we're seeing more players getting tested. I think the more players we test now in June, like I said, we still have three months until the season starts. We're in June. The more players that we can identify now who test positive, get them quarantined. I see that as a good thing. And then kind of what you said, you know, if you test positive now, you're not going to test positive in the September. You know, a lot of what we're seeing, especially with the coronavirus in general, we've kind of noticed that it more is dangerous to, to older people and people with respiratory issues. And so I think now, now we have football players who are mostly asymptomatic when they have it, uh, but the ability to identify them now uh, and get them treated in June, three months before the season starts, I, I continue to see that as a positive. So it's just been more universities welcoming players back to camp, testing them, uh, and then quarantining if necessary. And I think that's a great first step, in my opinion, in getting to where we need to for college football to be ready to go in September. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously on the surface, it is a bit of a downer when you see uh, all these numbers going up. But at the same time, kind of like you were touching on, it is a bit inevitable. You have all these people coming back, uh, working out, sweating together, touching the same equipment. And although it's unfortunate, it's just part of the way it's going to go when you have all these people gathering back together. They are going to get it, and kind of like we both talked about last week, the more people that get it now, the less people are going to have it during uh, September, uh, October, November, December, and through all the college football season. So although we hope all the people that do get it right now are safe, you know, it is a good thing, I guess, in a way to get it out of the way. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you know, all these testing is doing is reporting positive cases that we have already. And so I think it's just more important that these players at least know that they're testing positive than if they had never known and they go out to, you know, meet some family, go visit their grandparents or whatever. So, you know, it, it's, it's inevitable that we're going to have people test positive. I mean, it's an infectious disease. I mean, what else are you expecting? People are going to test positive. And the fact that we're identifying that for me, in my opinion, uh, is better than them not knowing whatsoever. All right. So last week we dove into the Pac-12. We did a little conference preview. This week later on in the episode, we will give you the ACC preview. Um, and then obviously we'll go into the Big 12, uh, the SEC and the Big 10. And along with, you know, our big, big preview shows, we also want to do some smaller segments. Um, and this week we're going to do what we believe to be the best 20 rivalry games in all of college football. I love rivalry games. It's what makes college football college football in my opinion i think it's the greatest thing about college football so i'm excited that we're kicking off these small segments it's probably my favorite part about college football rivalry games and uh yeah i'm kind of ready to just dive right into it yeah it seems like you're ready i know you are vastly prepared for this topic and i know you're ready to fight me on any disagreements that we have so <laughs> i say we just get into it yeah yeah i mean i don't think there'll be too many disagreements uh but you want me to go first here yeah go ahead yeah, I'll start out first. Okay. Um, We're going to go back and forth. You do 20, I do 20, 19, 19, 18, 18. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll do it like that. And I'll start off with 20 here with Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Okay. By far and away, um, the one on my list that has one team leading the other team by, by a lot. Oklahoma leads the series 89 wins to 18 wins for Oklahoma State and seven draws. With that said, it's still, in recent years, has become a pretty solid rivalry. Although Oklahoma still continues to win it, the bad blood is there. It is an in-state rivalry. I think the fans make it fun. But Oklahoma does continue to dominate this game. And until Oklahoma State can rise up and start to beat Oklahoma every three or four years, this rivalry will stay down towards the bottom in the 20s and 30 range of rivalry games. Yeah, I think I give this rivalry a little more credit because I love those in-state games. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a very understandable considering it's so one-sided to kind of rank this rivalry a little bit lower. Okay, so at 20, I have Pitt, West Virginia, and this is a rivalry that actually used to be bigger back in the days. I think with my rivalry, you're going to see more of a thing of a little more history, you know, maybe stuff that's not relevant today. But this has been a, you know, a combatant rivalry nicknamed the Backyard Brawl, only 75 miles separating these two universities. And back in the old days of, I believe, I think they were both in the, um, I can't remember exactly what conference they were in together. Obviously, Pitt is now in the ACC and West Virginia's gone to the Big 12. I think they used to be in the Big East together now that I think that's coming to me as well. And these teams uh, played a lot, but it was a fierce rivalry universities that were close together i know back in 2007 this game had national title implications when pittsburgh had a crazy upset on west virginia and good to hear that these two teams will renew their rivalry starting in 2022 so very excited to see that as well yeah i love to hear that i will say uh, i don't have that on my list but it was on the edge somewhere in the you know lower 20s maybe mid 20s mm-hmm. i just love the it's a little more it's two programs that aren't relevant now but a lot that's got a lot of history into it yeah. All right. So moving on. Next, I have the Apple Cup. I've got oh. Washington versus Washington State. Uh, this is more of a kind of newer rivalry. Obviously, they've been playing for a long time. Washington leads the series 74 wins to Washington State's 32 wins with six draws in there. Um, but it has been, you know, a bigger rivalry since Washington State has kind of came to some relevancy over the past 10, year, 10 years or so. Even with that said, Washington still has continued to dominate the, the series, even with Washington State being a better program and, you know, getting up closer to Washington's level. But now with Mike Leach gone, this rivalry could start to go back down. Like you talked about last week, you don't really believe in Washington State in the next decade or so. But at the moment, I have it at 19. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see this kind of slip down in the next few years. Yeah, uh, that is not one that I have on my list, one that I honestly didn't even have uh in my you know in the in the back of my head of the of the list to put down i will say though that i think that when you kind of said it's more of a nouveau robbery doesn't have a lot of tradition and just the washington state football program to me just mike leach seems to be all of it so but and also i think every rivalry game i've seen i think washington's won like seven eight straight now if not more so it's been one that's been more um heavy-sided all right at 19 i think i've got something that might be a little bit of an outsider but I'm going with the Paul Bunyan Axe, Minnesota versus Wisconsin. People don't realize how tight this rivalry is. And Wisconsin leads just 61 to 60 with eight ties back when you used to be able to tie in college football. It's a rivalry that's got a lot of history. Two North schools play for the Paul Bunyan Axe. Uh, and then, of course, lately it's been one that's been dominated by Wisconsin. But I think Minnesota row the boat. Uh, you know, P.J. Fleck, I think this rivalry, especially in the Big Ten West, where Wisconsin needs some competition, can kind of get back into relevancy. But I love the history of this, and I love that it's so tight in, in terms of games. Oh, I mean, if you think you have it high at 19, just you wait till All right. you're on this episode. All right, fair enough. Um, I think I have this maybe lower than a lot of people have. Um, a lot of people might have it higher. At 18, I have Cal Stanford. Um, it is the oldest college football rivalry on the West Coast. Stanford leads the series 59 to 44 and 10. So a pretty tight series. Uh, I guess I dock it just for, you know, relevancy over the past two decades or so. It's never really been a rivalry. I'm 22 years old. Never really been a rivalry I've looked forward to. Never been a rivalry I've really thought about. And looking back through the history, it hasn't been really a nationally relevant rivalry for, for quite some time. Obviously, it, it's played every year. And it's an in-state rivalry, which makes it fun. And obviously, there was the band on the field game, which is maybe one of the most famous games in college football history and all of sports history. 
it has a good history. That's why it makes it in my top 20. But just because of the relevancy it's lacked over the past two or three uh, decades, it's down here at 18. Yeah, I will admit mine is a little bit higher than yours, but maybe I think a little lower than most people will consider Cal Stanford. I think just being on the West Coast and neither of those programs have been up at the same time. The game you said, we'll get, I'll get into a little bit later when I pick it, but I don't blame you for having a little bit lower because I do as well. All right, at 18, I've got an SEC rivalry, my first one on the list. This one, I think I think a lot of SEC rivalries are overhyped, but this one I think really does live up to the billing. I've got Auburn, Georgia. Georgia has a close lead at 60-56 to 56 with eight ties, and it is the Deep South's oldest rivalry, baiting back to 1892. And, of course, it has some reverence, reverency lately. Uh, the prayer Jordan Harris, everyone remembers when Auburn went – to uh, when ended up winning that game, and then eventually going on to the national title game. They played in a couple of SEC title games lately as well. Both of these programs are up right now. And I think while the SEC has a lot of quote unquote too many rivalries, I think this one has a little bit better history. And both teams, especially lately, have made this game very relevant. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I don't have it, not necessarily because it's not a great rivalry, but like you said, I kind of tried to leave off those quote-unquote SEC rivalries off my list just because if I did, it would, you know, kind of dominate this list. And I really just wanted to keep it more to traditional rivalries. I didn't want to have the uh, Auburn-Georgias or the Alabama-Tennessee-type rivalries. I wanted to keep it more more uh, traditional, I guess. So I didn't really have many of those. I have a few, obviously, as you'll see later on, as there are some real traditional SEC rivalries that have been played for a long time and have a lot of meaning. But for me here at 17, I have the Holy War. Mm. Uh, Utah leads the series 62 to 34 to 4. And Utah has won nine straight. Uh, BYU, they're not a bad program. They haven't even necessarily been that bad over the past nine years. So to see Utah win nine straight is really impressive from them. It's a fun rivalry. It has maybe one of the, the best names in all of college football, the Holy War. Uh, I want to say BYU, obviously they're Mormon. I'm not sure if Utah is necessarily affiliated with anything, but I believe most of their fan base is more just Protestant or just traditional Christianity. So it's kind of a fun rivalry in that sense, uh, you know, kind of a rivalry of uh, religion. So I think that makes it fun, and it's always a pretty pretty good game. Yep. All right, at 17, I believe that we're on, uh, I've got Clemson, South Carolina, and I think – this one, it has a lot of history. Clemson leads 71-42 to 42 with four ties. These schools played each other all the way back in the 1890s, and I think I just have a little bit of bias of rivalries that play at the end of the year but are from different conferences. Uh, I love in-state rivalries of different conferences. For some reason, that just always intrigues me. I think you're going to see that theme uh, pop up again uh, higher up in my list, but I like Clemson, South Carolina, and I think this rivalry – I used to always think South Carolina was better in this game. And I think actually, obviously Clemson has become such a big program and now this game's kind of a blowout, but I love the idea of, of the best ACC team playing a really good SEC team. If South Carolina can get back to even what they were just, just 10 years ago. Talking about in-state rivalries uh, from different conferences. I have Florida, Florida state here at 16, maybe a little lower than some people would have, but, it's kind of a newish rivalry. They met for the first time in 1958. So it doesn't necessarily have the history of, you know, like an Ohio State, Michigan or an Auburn, Alabama, or even a Cal Stanford. So it does get docked a bit for that, but it has been a, a relatively close rivalry. Florida leads all time, 36, 26 to two. And it's actually been evenly split 10, 10 since 2000. So it's been a, a well-contested rivalry between Florida and Florida State. Anytime they get together, you never know what's going to happen. Um, obviously it's been down a bit the past few years with Florida State being down, but 
I think Florida State's kind of back on their way up and just going to maybe move its way up the list. Wow. I have that rivalry much higher than 16. So I think we're going to, I think you'll find a bit of surprise there. At 16, I'm kind of following one you had earlier. I do have Cal Stanford. Kind of like you said, I think this actually, this should be a lot higher on my list, but maybe just it being on the West Coast, it is an in state rivalry and it does obviously have one of the most famous plays in college football with the band being on the field. Uh, but right now, I think these two, Cal's obviously been down for a while and Stanford's been good, but it just, this rivalry hasn't spoken to me recently. Uh, and so right now I have it very down on my list down at 16. All right, moving on to the top 15. At 15, I have Michigan, Michigan State. Mm. Michigan leads 71-36 to 5. Although Michigan won 30 of 38 under Bo Beckler. Um, but Michigan State have led the series since Mike Hart called Michigan State their little brother in 2007. This has been a really good rivalry, honestly, in the past 15 years or so. It's been well contested. And like I said, Michigan State has actually even led the rivalry over the past 13 years. And just because of its recency and how good it's been over the past 13, 15 years, it, it's kind of moved its way up the list. I think it maybe could go back down. I'd see Michigan State struggling to keep its relevancy um, after Mark D'Antonio left, but we'll see. All right, yeah, I do feel the the need to put out the disclaimer that Michigan, Michigan State came in at 21 on my list, so just outside the top 20. My 15, though, does actually have Michigan in it uh, as part of the rivalry, but at this time it is against Notre Dame, actually. In fact, I think I love this rivalry. I've always kind of liked growing up in the in the mid in the Midwest. I love the Notre Dame versus Big Ten rivalries. Always loved watching those games and rooting for for the Big Ten team, even if it was Michigan. I rooted for them against Notre Dame. Um, even though I truly don't really root for Michigan a lot against other teams. It is kind of new, uh, but it's one that seems a little more storied, uh, and it's got a lot of great moments in it as well. Uh, Michigan leads at 25-17 to 17 with, with one tie, but I think it's a rivalry between two very traditional powers uh, in college football, uh, and I think even it's been one that has gone away recently, but the two programs have, have made a really good effort to keep these two teams playing when they stopped playing every year. All right. Coming in at 14, I have South Carolina Clemson, one okay. you've already had. So I had a little bit higher than you. I think it's the first time I've had something higher than you. Um, Clemson, like you said earlier, leads 71-42-4. So maybe if you're new to college football, you think that would be a little bit further apart. But no, South Carolina has been a, has been a solid program throughout their history, and Clemson hasn't necessarily been the program they have been for the past five or six years. Um, I find it interesting that Clemson has won six straight, obviously, during these six years where they've been so good. But right before that, South Carolina won five straight, which kind of just shows this has been an evenly contested rivalry pretty much for most of its history up until these last five or six years where Clemson and more so have dominated them since they're pretty much the best program over the past five years. And because of that, it could continue to slip down this list. But like you said, it's a fun rivalry. I love in-state rivalries. I love that they're in different conferences. I love that it's at the end of the year. Uh, these two fan bases hate each other. It has a lot of fun factors to it, and that's why it's here at 14. Yep, at, uh, at 14 as well, I have BYU-Utah. So I have the Holy War just a little bit higher than you. Uh, and actually, since you kind of talked about the more of the history of it, I'll give you a little bit of fun fact. While Utah recognizes that they have a 62-34 to 34 with four tie lead in the rivalry, BYU says that actually Utah only has a 59-31-4 to 31 to four lead because they do not recognize the first six games that, take, that took place from 1896 to 1898 when BYU was actually known as Birmingham Young Academy. Mm. I love it. I love it. 
I love those kind of th- I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, it's just weird when they were they were technically a different school under a different name and they kind of rebranded. And even though they played six times in three years and they split three and three, BYU says we don't count those games, but Utah still does. All right, let's move it forward here to like thirteen for me. I have Yale Harvard. Uh, game has been played since eighteen seventy five, the third most played game of all time in college football history. Yale leads at 68 to 60 to eight. So it's a very closely contested rivalry. Um, obviously it had a lot of national relevancy in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and even throughout the 1900s, a decent bit. Obviously now they're both in the FCS. So it has, I mean, literally no national relevancy to anything going on in the college football scene, but it's still a really historic rivalry and it's really fun. Yep. All right. At 13, I have the Egg Bowl, Mississippi, Mississippi State. It is one of the most cultural ball underrated rivalries, uh, according to this little tidbit I'm reading. I'm, I'm actually curious to know why. But Ole Miss does lead 62-46-6. While it is an SEC rivalry, it's one that has a lot of storied history, and it's one that obviously is state between state. Uh, the teams play every single year. I think it's a good SEC rivalry, even though it's two programs that maybe – aren't kind of the powerhouses of the SEC. It seems to be a game that's fun every year, and these two teams go back and forth at it. All right. At number 12, I have Oklahoma, Nebraska. They last met in 2010. Uh, Oklahoma leads the series 45-38-3 over Nebraska. It's one of the best rivalries in the 80s and 90s. They were two teams that were – I guess Oklahoma is obviously still nationally relevant. Nebraska hasn't been really nationally relevant since the 90s, but, man, those games in the 80s and 90s were a lot of fun, and, this is one of those rivalries uh, a lot of people talk about that people miss. Um, and it's exciting to know that this rivalry will be coming back next year in 2021 um, in, in Oklahoma and then in 2022 in Nebraska. So I love to see this rivalry coming back. It's one that I don't ever really even remember watching. I know it was still only played 10 years ago, but I'm excited for it to come back. Yeah, it is too. It must not have been. Yeah, it really uh, has escaped our minds in the sense that it's not even on my list. It shows you how much this rivalry has escaped our minds, but I'll continue. Uh, here are we at 12, I believe. We are at 12. I've got Oregon, Oregon State, the formerly known Civil War, <laughs> who will no longer go about that name, but still a great in-state rivalry. It gets a little less attention because it's two West Coast teams, two Pac-12 teams, and it hasn't been competitive lately, but it's still one that's got a lot of storied history, two in-state schools who play at the end of every year, uh, and so that's why I've got – and I – well, I used to – part of what I was going to say when I made this list was going to say I love the name – uh, I guess I can't really say that anymore, though. Yeah, yeah, that is unfortunate. Um, yeah, I mean, that shows kind of how subjective rivalries are. I think some of it is just kind of what you grow up and watch. Some of it is just the colors on the field. I think ranking rivalry games outside of those first, like, three or four best rivalry, rivalry games, it's really so subjective, which kind of shows by the fact that I think Civil War, it was – I was thinking about it at 21, 22, but it did not make my list. Mm-hmm. All right, so 11, kind of a similar theme here, Texas, Texas A&M. Another rivalry we don't have annually anymore. They last met in 2011 before A&M joined the SEC. Texas leads the series 76-37-5, so these teams have played a lot. Um, They first met in, I want to say, the 1880s, so it's a longstanding rivalry. It was super relevant back in, you know, the 80s, 90s, and 2000s when these teams were going at it trying to win uh, their conference, and it's a shame that we haven't uh, seen it since 2011. And unlike Oklahoma, Nebraska, there's a lot of bad blood here. And I don't see this game being played anytime in the near future. Yeah. I don't think this game has any kind of sort of future insight. And it is 
obviously tough to see. It is on my list. You'll see in a sec, but right now at 11, I've got Harvard, Yale. I know I put a little bit lower, and I think that speaks to just the fact that neither of these programs are really just relevant in college football today, but I wanted to respect the history of this rivalry, obviously kind of like what you mentioned, one of the oldest rivalries, all of college football, some of the first games ever played. I think Harvard, or actually, I don't know. I know Rutgers was a part of the first game ever, but I can't remember exactly. Actually, I think they played Princeton. So, But these obviously these two programs were, were on the forefront of college football when it first came into effect. Uh, and obviously this game is still played every year, and it's still followed even by a, a lot of college football fans to the day, uh, despite the fact that it's not really relevant in modern-day college football. Yeah, at uh, number 10, I have clean old-fashioned hate mm. georgia leads the series 68 to 41 to 5 so once again similar similar to clemson south carolina if you're new to college football you might be surprised at how close this series is but yeah notably it has been dominated by georgia uh recently especially over the past you know six or seven years but traditionally it has been a fun close contested and important and nationally relevant game with a lot of history uh georgia tech is for most of college football history was a pretty solid program. They really have dipped uh, over the past 10 or 15 years, especially with uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's that offense they ran called? Triple option. Triple option. That has kind of become not as good of an option over the past, you know, 10, 20 years. And they finally did go away from it last year. And I could actually kind of see them starting to come back up and this rivalry maybe becoming a bit more relevant, but for the next few years, it definitely won't be, but, it still gets a lot of respect for me for its history and it's here in the top 10. Yeah, definitely a very good name too. Everyone just loves some clean, old fashioned, good hate. I don't think I said that right. But anyway, at 10, breaking into the top 10, I've got UCLA and USC. Uh, this is a rivalry that I think maybe speaks a little bit more to me as a kind of a pseudo USC fan. I obviously have a brother that graduated from there and I've visited the university many a times. And so it was a rivalry to me that just that just kind of spoke to me. Two LA teams, and I have a very big interest in LA sports teams, uh, and it's got a lot of history into it too. USC leads the series forty-eight to thirty-two, uh, and while it's been dominated by USC lately, I'm hoping that with Chip Kelly at UCLA, these games could get a lot more interesting coming up in the near future. Yeah, you know, I saw that. I, I glanced at maybe four or five kind of those rivalry game top twenty-five kind of articles online. And- that was one of those I consistently saw around like the 10 spot. And I just looked at it and I said, eh, mm. I don't know. It just didn't speak to me. What didn't make the list and didn't even really make it close to the list, if I'm being honest. So that's, that is just disrespect, is all I'm hearing. Yeah. I guess I just, I don't, I don't know. A lot of it kind of goes into the fan bases and how much they care and how passionate it is. And I, I mean, it probably was fun at one time, but like you said earlier, kind of West Coast games, sometimes we forget about them. And, especially with how UCLA has been recently. It was kind of hard to, to be notable for me in my recent history. Uh, I'll, still never, I'll still never forget, though, back in 2007, USC primed to go to the national championship game until an upstart uh, big underdog UCLA program went into, actually, I believe, into the Coliseum. It came out with an upset win, which led Florida, actually 2006, and that got Florida into the national championship game mm-hmm. against Ohio State and said, so I think a rivalry that, while you gave it a ton of disrespect, I think still need deserves to be mentioned in a list. All right. So number nine, I have the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss leads 62-46-6 to six over Mississippi State. I would say this is maybe the college football rivalry with the most hatred. Um, you're talking about Mississippi. It's a state that, no disrespect to Mississippi, doesn't have a lot going on. These two programs, Mississippi and Mississippi State, these are their two big 
sports teams, if you will. They don't have professional sports. It's an in-state rivalry. It's an in-conference rivalry. Um, you know, they're pretty close to each other in the same state. So there's a lot of hatred between the fan bases. Um, it's a game that at times has been nationally relevant and hasn't over the past 10 years or so, except for six or seven years ago when it was one versus two and they played. But besides that kind of anomaly, it hasn't been as relevant here recently, which is why it's starting to slide down the, the list. But because of its history and just because of the hatred between these two teams, I have it all the way up here at nine. All right, a little bit higher on the list. Ahead of mine, all the way up at nine. Uh, actually, what I do want to say, though, is that that Mississippi-Mississippi State rivalry has a really good chance against some national relevancy now that it's Lane Kiffin versus Mike Leach. Yeah. So hopefully maybe that can bring that rivalry uh, back to prevalence. You've talked about this rivalry as also this one used to be a big Thanksgiving tradition. I used to remember always watching this game when Texas A&M was back in the Big 12, but it is Texas, Texas A&M. Um, I really would love to see these schools get back together here soon. I think college football uh, needs this game back, especially, I mean, Texas A&M and, the, with, and obviously moving to the SEC, but I think that would be a great Big 12 SEC game. Uh, I, I would just love to see this game come back, obviously. All right, I talked about it earlier. At number eight, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, baby. Oh, my God. First met in 1890. Um, obviously, it's two teams that, aren't necessarily always going for the national championship. So it doesn't get as much respect, but like you said, I did put a lot of competitiveness into my ratings for where I listed these teams. And like you said, by far the most competitive rivalry, probably between all of the ones on this list, Wisconsin leads the series with 61 wins, but Minnesota has 60 and then there's eight draws in there. It's got a hell of a name, the battle for Paul Bunyan's ax. They actually have a real ax they give out. Um, it's between two teams in the north. It's always played late in the year. There's always some snow on the ground. It's always a fun game. And especially coming up here recently and coming up in the near future, it's going to be a lot of fun. These two programs consistently battling it out for uh, the Big Ten West. And I'm excited for this rivalry going forward. And maybe I have it a bit higher than some people will, but I like it here at eight. Yeah, I like to hear it too. Um all right, at number uh, – what, what number are we on? I think we're, we're into the top ten. We are up to, to number eight. Okay, i got to make sure because the list I'm reading off of about the games is different than my list. We are at number eight, and I've got Miami versus Florida State. I think this rivalry – I mean, this rivalry used to be the rivalry back mm -hmm. in the 90s. Bobby Bowden versus Larry Coker. I mean, these games used to be a who's who of future NFL talent. And while the games have obviously taken a bit of a dip uh, recently, I don't think – I know these two teams still – they'd still play every year. Um, actually, maybe they don't because they're in different – I don't know. I Maybe I should look up more ACC tradition. Uh, but it's a game that Miami leads just 34-30, and it used to be one of the biggest rivalries just 10 years ago. Obviously, Florida fans, Florida State fans still remember the wide right when they tried to beat Miami back in 2002, the team that eventually lost to Ohio State in the national championship. Florida State was the, the only team that really got close to that Miami team all year, of course, until they eventually lost in the national championship game. But this game used to be the rivalry back in the day, uh, and I hope that maybe – these programs can get back to some relevancy because this used to be one that everyone looked forward to every year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of said it all at number seven, I have Florida state Miami as well. Uh, Miami leads 34 30, like you said, and you know, it was one of the best rivalries like you were touching on in the nineties and the two thousands. Um, kind of like you touched on, there was the wide right uh, one through three in the nineties. And then there was the wide left. Um, so it's kind of crazy. There was four different games that came down to field goals and, in that 11-year span, each time it was uh, Florida State missing it, and it was Miami getting the win from it. And 
there's a lot of NFL players on the field in the 90s and 2000s. And like you touched on, it would be a lot of fun if this rivalry could get back to relevancy. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. I think the uh, the 2 game was the wide left, actually. I think I might have misspoke there. Um, but we're moving on to number seven, and I have one that maybe should be a little bit higher, but uh, it just hasn't had it for me lately. But it has a ton of history, and that is USC Notre Dame. Notre Dame leads this series 47-36-5, to 36 to 5, uh, but it is one that despite the fact that obviously Notre Dame um, has played more SEC or ACC teams lately, excuse me, with their kind of like weird conference alliance with the ACC. Uh, it's one that they've kept playing every year. It's a game that at the end of the year, you still really look forward to. Uh, and it's one that has had a lot of obviously national title implications. I feel like when we always have that Notre Dame team that's 11-0 but hasn't played anybody, it's almost kind of like, okay, but can they beat USC? And I think this game uh, with USC kind of getting back into some relevancy and these programs that even though, they haven't been – I mean, Notre Dame's been to two – has been to the college football playoff, and they went to the national championship game in 2012, and they've always been a solid program. And USC has still been one of the better teams in the Pac-12. So, well, it hasn't always been the game recently. It's one that has always been pretty relevant recently, one that a lot of people look forward to, and, of course, one that we continue to hope to see uh, going forward. All right. At number six, I have the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Georgia leads this series 53-43-2. to two. Obviously, it's played against Georgia and Florida. Um, you know, it's always played in Jacksonville, Florida. I love some of these kind of neutral site rivalries. It's a lot of fun. It always has big SEC implications. It's two big-time programs, two programs that are historically well-known, have been kind of college blue bloods throughout their history. So anytime anytime these two teams play, it's a lot of fun. I love the fact that it's neutral site. Um, yeah, I just, this is a fun game. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're up to number six, I believe now. Uh, we're flying through this list. And this is one that I probably already am going to admit to you. I have too high, but something about Florida, Florida State just speaks to me. And I think it maybe is the the in-state but different conference rivalry. For some reason, it's played at the end of the year. That just that speaks to me. That just always warms my heart. Uh, and I love that this rivalry used to be kind of a big brother, little brother, kind of like Michigan, Michigan State is. Uh, and then obviously everyone knows about Bobby Bro, Bobby Bowden, how he basically took a, a, a dumpster fire FSU program and, and grew them into a national powerhouse. And that's and winning this rivalry was kind of the first step into really making Florida step Florida State seem like a big national program. It's one that has a lot of hate. It's in-state rivalry. Uh, and it's one that I think if Florida State can get back to some relevancy under Mike Norvell, uh, and with Dan Mullen in Florida, this one that can be big for national title implications going forward. All right. And number five, uh, one you've already had, I have USC Notre Dame. I mean, look, man, it hasn't had the relevancy recently, but this is when you think of college football, I think you kind of think of USC Notre Dame. I mean, this is a game between two of the most historic college football teams of all time. Yes, they're on different sides of the country, but they've still played. Um, nearly, you know, 80, 90 times. It's 47, 36, 5 in favor of Notre Dame. Um, I think it's fun that they're located across the country. It's the only game on this list where I have teams that aren't relatively close to one another. You've got two programs that combined for 39 national championships and 14 Heismans. I mean, it's just crazy history. And the fact that these teams get together and play each other every single year is an absolute treat for the fans. Uh, yes, it hasn't been as relevant here the last 10 uh, 10 years or so, but hopefully it gets back to where it was. All right. At number five, I've got the Red River Rivalry, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, the rivalry 
in the in the Big 12. It's one that we always look forward to every year. I still hate a little bit that it's not played at the end of every year, but obviously Oklahoma has their rivalry with Oklahoma State, and Texas kind of used to have their rivalry with Texas A&M. Uh, it's one that I wouldn't mind get see wouldn't mind seeing move to the last game of the year, but I love the idea of playing in a neutral site stadium every year. And half the stadium is burnt orange, and the other is red of Oklahoma. Uh, and that these two teams, and it's obviously just the most storied rivalry in the Big Twelve. Texas leads sixty-two to forty-eight, but Oklahoma, and actually, I almost want to say Oklahoma has kind of had the better lately because they've been the better football program. But we've seen this game be a, a trip up for Oklahoma quite a few times obviously dicker the kicker just a couple of years ago and i so i think texas has kind of been the one thorn uh in the side of oklahoma and i think the fact that it's such a big rivalry has so much to do with it all right a rivalry that yes may not have the national relevancy but it just has to be this high at number four i have army navy navy leads the series 61 52 and seven over uh army first meeting was in 1890 a long long time ago and maybe the rivalry with the most tradition. I mean, you know you're an important game when you get a whole college football week to yourself, as they have here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a recent thing, if that's something that's been going on for a long time. But ever since I can remember, they've been doing that. And it's a lot of fun. I love Army-Navy week. You get the whole buildup. And you get the just the college game day when they're there. And you see all the Army people and their gear and the Navy people and their, their Navy outfit. And, it's just a lot of fun. The stadium is packed. The president is always there. Um, it's always a fun game. It's always it's kind of like you get a you get a blast into the past when you watch this game, and I think that's something that we love about it. Both these teams running that kind of triple option style, and it's a running game. And it's just I think it should be mandatory that those teams have to continue to play like that just so we can get this one game that looks like this. And it's just it's just special. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I agree. All right. At number four, I've got the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And I just I love the name. I mean, that name is just different. It's unique. Uh, and I, I love this game. I think it's another game that I, I believe is also played at a neutral site uh, every single year. Uh, and just I think it is one of the, the, the SEC rivalries between two very storied programs in Georgia and Florida. It's not obviously the Alabama Auburn game, but it is something that you know, everyone looks forward to in the SEC every year. It's a big event. It's not just a football game. It's almost like a whole weekend. Uh, and it's one that obviously just the Florida Georgia line, the SEC rivalry. Uh, it's a great one. You, you kind of spoke a lot about it already. So I think we can move on to, to number yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah. Number three for me, you've already talked about it. The Red River shootout. Yes, I said shootout. Um, Texas leads 62 48 five over Oklahoma, like you said. Man, this is just a fun, fun game. Um, like you talked about, you know, it's at the neutral site, the Cotton Bowl. The crowd is always perfectly spit, split 50-50. Kind of not as similar to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party where it's just kind of a mix, a mismatch. These two teams hate each other. These two fan bases hate each other. So this crowd is always split perfectly down the middle. you got the orange on one side, the red on the other. It's always a high-scoring game. It's two his- extremely historically relevant programs and two teams that are always pretty similar in skill level, which is why you see – always really good games and that's why you see this all-time series pretty close to one another with uh, Texas leading it by a slight margin all right at number three I've got Army Navy uh just kind of like you said there's just something about this game where you know you're done with pretty much the college football season you had the conference championship games the week before and you just show up next week and you just get to watch two um cadet programs run the triple option 
possession, turnovers matter, just beat the crap out of each other. And it's very much a, it's very much a rivalry where you love each other um, before the game, you hate each other during the game, and then you love each other after. And plus, there's always everyone's kind of known about the 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 different branches of the military and how they kind of all kind of you know, hate each other or kind of take digs at each other, not hate each other, take, take digs at each other, like to make fun of each other. And this is just another game where that happens. And I love also just, you know, it's a game where you kind of said it doesn't really, you almost kind of separate it from the rest of the college football season. And everybody watches it every year. And you just kind of sit down and you kind of say, you know, who do you, everyone has a team that they support. Either you go into that game as an army fan like me, or you go into that game as a Navy fan like my dad. So it's really cool to kind of watch and just kind of see, who takes sides and for what's and it's a game that in my opinion is so separate from college football and but that is actually what makes it so special beautifully said and now we move on to the top two and i think this is this is just a hard one you know i think we see this always these two are always put up as by far far and away the best two rivalries in college football obviously the iron bowl and, and the game ohio state michigan um iron bowl alabama and auburn i think these two are there's a pretty big split between two and three. I think there's a pretty big drop off. These two are always the biggest two rivalries. Um, it's always kind of, uh, kind of heated conversation between people from the north and people from the south about which one's better. I actually really struggled going, you know, who do I want to put it to? Who do I want to put it one here? I did end up kind of leaning more towards my bias. So here at number two, I do have the Iron Bowl, Alabama, Auburn. Um, I just actually have written down 46-37-1. I'm assuming it's Alabama who leads that 46-37-1. It's the best in-state rivalry by far in college football. It's two fan bases that live amongst one another, and the hatred is real. I mean, I was at a bar actually in Alabama this year, well, last year, to watch this game, and it was split. I mean, the bar was split 50-50. I was probably right in between, uh, uh, what is it, Uh, Tuscaloosa and Auburn for this game. It was split 50-50. You can just see the people going at each other. Some of them were family. Some of them were just strangers going at each other. And it's crazy. There's some hatred in this game. Um, it's always a relevant game nationally. Alabama, although they've been better, it's just one of those games, man, where Auburn always finds a way to raise its game and plays up to Alabama, especially at home, where we've seen them at Jordan-Hare continue continuously over the past decade or so to find a way to win this game. And obviously it produced maybe the greatest moment in college football history with the kick six. All right, Jacob, I'm with you. I will admit I'm fully admitting my bias here on picking Ohio State ahead of the Iron Bowl. So I do have the Iron Bowl down at two, but, I mean, you mentioned it. This this rivalry, I think for people down in the south, they have it up at one, and honestly, like, I can't really blame them because this is just a heated rivalry of epic proportions. It's got history. It's got two blue-blood programs, two blue-chip programs right now in the current day of college football, and so much hate. It's two programs conference the last game of the every year and oftentimes can be a big factor in the sec west title race so it's a game that just especially in the last 10 years has had a lot of national title relevancy uh we've seen auburn be the team that has has beaten alabama in upsets back in 2012 i believe or 2013 uh the the kick six like you mentioned when alabama won the national championship their last time back in i think 2018 with two Tonga viola 20 it was a 2017 season, 2018 national title game. Auburn was the only team to beat Alabama that season, and they beat him again last year in a crazy upset. So when this game is in play to Jordan Hare, it's had a had just a it's had a weird mystique of magic and relevancy, and this game is always a barn burner every year. Uh, you, you, I have nothing wrong to say about this rivalry, uh, and I, it is it is I'm I'm it's it's up there too. It's great. That's that's all I can really say. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely the Iron Bowl and really the game. I mean, it's always splitting hair between these two. At least recently, I do think back in the day, the game was pretty by far above it, you know, maybe 20 years ago. But, but yeah, I mean, the Iron Bowl is great. And like you touched on, I mean, Auburn always plays up to Alabama, and that is what has made this rivalry so great over the last 10 or so years, something that hasn't happened with Michigan, obviously, over the past maybe 15, 20 years or so. But that does lead me to number one, the game. And it is kind of wild to have, you know, Michigan-Ohio State at number one when you consider that this game hasn't been really – the games themselves can be closely contested, but the rivalry itself hasn't been closely contested since really the late 80s. Michigan kind of dominated through the 90s, and then obviously Ohio State since the turn of the century has really dominated Michigan. But even with that said, this game just has so much history that it's impossible for me not to put it at one. And like you kind of said, there is that obviously Midwest kind of northern bias to have it another have it at number one. But this game just has so much history. It was by far the best rivalry in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. I mean, it just has the most classic games, some of the most classic games in history. You think of the Snow Bowl in 1950. You think of one versus two in 2006. Uh, the double OT game in 2016, the JT was the JT uh, wasn't short game. Uh, There's mm-hmm. a 10 year war, obviously, between Bo and Woody. Um, it has some of the most heated fan bases going at one another in college football. It has kind of a border war, which I think is really fun. Obviously, the in-state rivalries are really fun, and I love those, but the border war is kind of fun because not only do you hate that team up north, you also just hate that entire state. Just like Michigan fans, they hate not just Ohio State, but they hate the entire state of Ohio. And I think that aspect does make it a bit more fun. And it's like I said, you know, I mean, Michigan did kind of dominate through the 90s. And Ohio State kind of dominated, not kind of, has dominated for the past 20 years. And it's been about 30 years since these teams kind of were exchanging blow for blow uh, since Earl, Blue, Earl Bruce really retired from Ohio State. And, yeah, I mean, it has it is slowly creeping down. That's why on some people's list it probably isn't at number one. Like we said in the South, it might be even at number three below uh, the Red River shootout as well. But still here in the North, it holds a lot of relevancy. It's still number one. And on a lot of people's list, it's still number one. And, it could continue to slip down the list. It could it could even slip down the list for me if it continues to go the way it's going. And it's hard to even predict where it's going to go uh, with how good Ohio State has been and how they continue to hire good coaches. But there's just the mystique around this game. There's a reason it's called the game. Um, and because of its great, great history, especially that 10-year history with Bo and Woody, it's got to be at number one. Yeah, it's number one for me too. It's obviously a rivalry that is near and dear to my heart, one that I am – 100% invested in as an Ohio State fan. And I know that the rivalry still gets kind of a dink, especially for the last 70. I think Ohio State's won eight straight. And obviously, ever since Jim Harbaugh was hired as the coach back in 2001, Ohio State's only lost twice uh, in the past 18 years. But, you know, as an Ohio State fan, I don't really, like, see that as a as such a bad for the rivalry for two reasons. I, I still, obviously, I wasn't alive, but I remember kind of the pain of the John Cooper era that a lot of Ohio State fans talk about when they only went two, 10 and one. And Michigan still does lead the overall rivalry of 58 to 51. So in kind of my eyes, all of the, the past 18 years has been, is Ohio State really catching up on, on, on getting behind early in this rivalry. So even though it's been more one-sided late, I, I view it as, you know, Ohio State kind of catching up, catching up to this rivalry uh, in terms of total, obviously still seven behind than, than really pulling away. But 
I mean, this rivalry obviously still has a ton of irrelevance. It's that border war, like you said, so it kind of creates this very much hatred between states. I mean, Woody Hayes refused to pump gas in Michigan. Uh, everyone remembers that story when he pushed his car across the state border because he just hated that state so much. He refused to, to, to pump gas there. Obviously, one thing that's been interesting, this rivalry is a lot of recruiting. Anytime a Michigan player leaves the state of Michigan to go to Ohio State, uh, it's a big deal. But even what happens more is actually Ohio kids leaving to go to Michigan. Uh, as well, this this rivalry even has some kind of just historic states with the with the Toledo Strip and both states claiming that piece of land. It's just it's a rivalry that has so much history. Uh, it goes all the way back to 1897, and they've met every year but five since 1900. Uh, and it's one that obviously has the 10 year war, like you said, has a ton of history, a ton of crazy games. There's an HBO documentary on this rivalry. It's an hour long. If you haven't seen it, I recommend go watching it. it just speaks to really. I can't tell you in in two minutes what this rivalry can, uh, but that hour documentary does a really good job of just showing what this rivalry has meant throughout the years you know, and what it's meant for both. And not to mention, they're, they're in two cities where college football is supreme. Ann Arbor is all about Michigan football. Columbus is all about the Ohio State Buckeyes. So uh, for me, it'll always be number one, uh, and I'm not afraid to admit that as an Ohio State fan. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of one of those games similar to what we both talked about with Army-Navy where it just kind of just has this mystique around it, no matter how much Ohio State continues to dominate or if somehow things completely flip the other way. And no matter how much one team is dominating the other, it's just something about that, you know, that Saturday after Thanksgiving. It's just this mystique that although the Iron Bowl is great, I don't know if it necessarily has it because this game just has so much history. I think everyone around the country is always getting ready and excited for this game. Yep. All right, so we are going to cut the podcast here in classic two, two guys, one Mike fashion. I want to say we're over 50 minutes right now, and that's mm-hmm. about how long we wanted this pod in general to be. So we're going to just do a nice, fun rival, rivalry episode here, mm-hmm. and then next week we'll be back with the ACC and whatever second subject I do next week, I'll make sure it's something we can't possibly go over 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, that sounds perfect to me. We spent, I think, I think a good almost hour podcast talking about some of the best rivalries in college football, just kind of a fun podcast, kind of the middle of all the previews that we're going to do. So like you said, we'll be back next week with another fun topic, but we'll keep it short to 10, 15 minutes. And that way we can really give the ACC preview the time it deserves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we'll do our best. Uh, I have a long list of things I want to talk about in the offseason, this offseason and next offseason, and hopefully offseasons even after that if we can keep this going. Um, so I'll find a nice, fun topic we can talk about for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and then we'll talk about the ACC for 20, 30 minutes. And hopefully we can actually stick on a time schedule next week, and hopefully we're in person. If you couldn't tell, this is uh, over the phone, so the quality's not as great. But we do plan on being in person 90% of the time for these pods. It just didn't work out this week, so – we didn't even get we didn't end up getting to the ACC and it's over the phone so we apologize for both of those things but hopefully we'll be back in person with a fun ACC preview next week. Yep, sounds good. All right, they'll do it for two guys. One, One mic. mic.